0: This program contains grown-up themes and language that the FCC doesn't like. Use your common sense. You're listening to Beautiful Red, a novel by M. Darusha Wayne. Find out more at darusha.ca slash beautifulred. Beautiful Red 17. Jack stuck her key in the viewer's slot, and when the friendly voice said, Hello, jester. how can I help you? She replied, Show me the meal schedule for today. She saw that there was a late sitting that evening for dinner, and asked the viewer to remind her ten minutes before it was time to go. She then asked to see the schedule of classes for the next two days. There was a huge selection of programs available and at first, Jack had trouble believing that it was possible for even a large and well-organized group to deliver this many courses and workshops over two days. Then, on closer inspection, she realized that only a small portion of the offerings were live, in-person events. Most of the programs were downloadable tutorials or immersive simulations. For a group that had a strong anti-progress component, this seemed odd, but Jack suspected that few of the people involved in the beginners' events fell into this category anyway. She looked at the course listings and sorted it by live events. Her eye had cut a few interesting choices among the simulations, but Jack wasn't here to actually learn about how to recruit performance artists, an overview of the various law enforcement agencies with the major firms, or advanced body painting techniques. She was here to talk to the actual people running this outfit, so she had to surround herself with living, breathing bodies. She picked a couple of selections at random, and the viewer automatically prompted her to sign up for a work shift. She looked through the options and saw that there were spaces available for people with programming skills. She immediately put her name in for a couple of shifts there, and the viewer shifted back to her schedule, showing options for four more courses. Jack filled in these new slots with more in-person events, and by the time she was done, she was registered for almost all of the physical space courses. She finished up just as Red 5 reminded her that her meal sitting was about to begin, so she pulled her key out of the slot and headed out of her room. She walked over to the main building, and all of a sudden realized that there was so much open space here that she could see the sky. It was dull gray, but there were pinpricks of light showing through. She wondered if any of them were stars, or if they were all satellites for everywhere net, surveillance, or internal firm communications. She was walking along, craning her neck up to see the lights in the sky, when she literally bumped into someone. She jumped back and began to apologize. The other person, a tall blond man in a one-piece suit of a soft, dark material, laughed and said, "'Don't worry about it. I did the same thing the first time I was here.'" Jack flushed despite herself and said, "'I guess it's no shame to be a noob.'" "'Nope,' he said. Everyone is at some point.'" He stuck his right hand out for her to shake. "'I'm Lars,' he said, and they shook hands as Jack introduced herself. "'Oh,' he said, pausing to pull a small device of the screen from a pocket and consulting it briefly." "'I think I have you in my introduction to bodywork session tomorrow.' Jack smiled shyly, not remembering any of the courses for which she had registered. "'Could be,' she said, opting for as much honesty as she thought she could get away with. "'I'm a little overwhelmed at the moment, and it's hard to keep it all straight in my mind.' "'Well, you are registered for the right class, then,' Lars said with a wide smile. "'After all the augmentation we're used to, "'we're all pretty handicapped without the nets and a smart system integrating at all. "'Hell, even I don't trust my memory.' He waved the device in his hand to Jack. "'You'll find the class interesting, I think,' he continued. "'I hope so,' Jack said, smiling. "'Were you headed to the meal hall?' "'I was,' he said, turning toward the door of the main building. "'Shall we eat together?' "'I'd like that,' Jack said, amazed at her good fortune to find someone whose brain she could pick for the next half hour. They entered the main building and climbed the large central staircase to the meal hall. The previous sitting was just finishing up, so Jack and Lars had to wait for a couple of seats to free up. When a table became available, they slipped in and sat down. So, Lars asked as they looked over the brief menu scrolling in the tabletop, what brings you to the compound? Jack knew that this question would come up, and had prepared a response. She had hoped that the first time she tried out her answer it wouldn't be with a red staffer, but maybe it was better to find out early if her cover was going to be blown. She had decided to go with the premise that the closer she stuck to the truth, the better off she would be. She explained that she'd been a frequenter of the underground boards and had heard of a few of the red actions there. Eventually, I wangled an invitation to an open house party. That was just last weekend, actually. Lars smiled, indicating that she should continue. I went and really got interested in what the people were doing, but also some of the other things going on elsewhere. One of the organizers suggested I come here, and, well, here I am. Jack smiled in what she hoped was a winning way. Lars nodded and said, That's a pretty common story. Most of our people found us just by noticing things and getting interested. We're not really popular as such, but as you can see, we get a lot of interest. Jack looked around and saw a good three dozen people sitting around the tables in the room, and of course, this was only about a third of the people attending the complex. She shook her head in amazement and looked down at the menu scrolling on the table. There weren't many choices, but Jack really wasn't picky. To her, nutrient bricks pretty much all tasted the same. She settled on something they were calling lentil casserole, and waited for Lars to decide to see what he did. He pushed on a small pulsing light on the right side of the table, which stopped the scrolling, then tapped the table on the name of his choice. The menu flashed once, then disappeared. Jack did the same and poked her index finger on the N of lentil. They're pretty quick, Lars said. And sure enough, in less than five minutes, two steaming bowls slid down from the track in the wall next to the table. Lars lifted them off the small ledge and set them down on the table. Jack looked in the bowl and wasn't sure what to say. The look on her face must have been obvious because Lars said, Oh yeah, we serve real food here. Some reds won't eat nutrient blocks, and we have a small farm on the grounds as well as shipments from friendly farms all over in America. I hope you like it. He scooped up a spoonful of stew and chewed it thoroughly. Jack was still dumbfounded. She tentatively took a bite of the casserole. It was amazing, so full of flavor and textures, like some kind of magic in her mouth. She would have happily spent a day's pay for this meal, and they were giving it away. They ate in silence, Lars noticing that Jack was too engrossed in the meal to make conversation. After they were finished, he said, I guess you liked it. She nodded, still savoring the tastes lingering in her mouth. "'There aren't that many people who can cook anymore, "'but the ones who can seem to like it a lot, "'and we get more than our fair share of cooks. "'So we always manage to get good food out here. "'It's a definite perk for the full-time folks, let me tell you.' "'They got up and headed for the door. "'So,' Jack asked. "'Do you live here?' "'I'm here most of the time,' Lara said. "'Sometimes I go back to Europe to see family, "'but I'd say my home is here at the compound.' I've been teaching and living here for about two years now. Wow, Jack said. That's a long time. I didn't realize that the organization had been active this long. Yeah, we're not as well known as we could be, I suppose, Lars said. But we've been around in some fashion or another for a good bit longer than I've been here. They left the hall, walking down the stairs and out the front door of the building. At the crossroads of the walking paths, they stopped and looked up at the sky again. It was nice talking to you, Jack, Lars said, beginning to turn away from her. I'll see you in class tomorrow. Thanks, she replied, and turned toward the building her room was in. She walked toward her room almost in a daze. As she stuck her key in the slot by her door, she began to realize that she was starting to like it here. The combination of open skies and real food were powerful, and she reminded herself of Estella Rowan, Mario Keating, and who knows how many others who would never see the sky of any kind again. She made sure the door to her room was locked, then stripped and showered. She lay in the small bed, thinking about the things she had heard, wondering if she was wrong. Maybe the Red weren't behind what happened to Rowan and the others. Maybe she was off in a wild goose chase. After all, it was completely circumstantial evidence that led her here. Hell, she thought, I'm no expert in identifying code authors. What was I thinking, imagining that I could guess who was behind it all? Maybe they really are all as nice as they seem here. Maybe... She fell asleep, wondering... The next morning, Red Five woke her up with a simple musical alarm. She woke slowly, almost naturally, after about eight hours of sleep. She got up and got dressed, then headed to the hall for breakfast. She ate alone this time, as did most of the other people in the room. After breakfast, she went back to her room to check her schedule. She found the place her first session was being held and took an image of the map in case she got lost. She only had a few minutes to get there in time and hurried down the paths. She found the building without too much difficulty and entered the assigned room. About a half-dozen other participants were already there, and Lars was at the front of the room chatting with one of them. He saw Jack and smiled, and she returned the grin. She picked a chair next to a woman with flaming magenta hair and a pair of implanted horns on top of her head. Jack figured she must be fairly young. That trend was hot again, and most of the people who'd done it the first time around had had them removed by now. "'Hi,' the horned girl said. "'I'm Susanna.' "'She stuck out her hand, and they shook. "'I'm Jack, nice to meet you,' Jack answered. "'They sat there, neither of them knowing what to say. "'Before either of them found a way to break the silence, "'Lars cleared his throat and began the session. "'Hi, everyone,' he said. "'I'm Lars, and I'll be leading this course, "'Introduction to Bodywork. "'Now, because this is an introduction, "'I'm going to assume that all of you are new to the complex, "'and maybe even new to the red, is that right?' He looked around the room at the participants, and was met with a stony silence. "'I'll take that as agreement,' Lars said to a few chuckles, "'and take this opportunity to point out the only thing we really need to get out of this class. "'We have grown accustomed to using our systems and the nets for communication, "'so we tend not to remember that our bodies are means of communication also. "'When we react or don't react with our faces or our postures, "'we are telling everyone around us all kinds of information.' "'Let's talk about that moment we just had,' he said, sitting on a chair in the front of the room. "'And while we're at it, we can introduce ourselves. "'I'll start. "'I'm Lars. I've been involved with the Red for several years, "'and I've been living and working here at the compound for about two years now. "'I noticed that when I asked you all a question, and none of you did anything, "'it felt like no one was listening to me.' "'He turned to the person closest to him, a man with golden-colored hair, clothes, and skin. "'What's your name, and what did you notice?' The participant said, I'm known as Golden, at that some of the others giggled, and I noticed that I didn't know how to answer. I could have answered for myself, but how do you answer a question that's directed to everyone? So I just did nothing. That's good, Lars said, a good observation about what happened. Next, he said, gesturing to Susanna, what did you notice? She talked about how she is not used to being addressed as part of a group and didn't know how to respond. As a group, they continued to talk about how they rarely encounter situations where body language is relevant, let alone necessary. Lars taught them simple gestures, how to hold your body to indicate comfort or distress, and how to notice facial expressions and simple cues from others. They discussed how what once had been perceived as simple courtesy had all but disappeared from normal conduct, how conducting relationships without ever seeing the other party was the norm, and how the body was seen as an unfortunate encumbrance by many people. Jack thought that the class seemed to be more about talking how the world of flesh was perceived and used than it was about learning specific skills, but either way it was actually pretty interesting. By lunchtime Jack had completely forgotten about what she was really doing there at the complex, and instead was focused on all the ideas she had heard and discussed in the morning's class. She walked to the main building with Susanna, where they continued talking about the concepts of the morning's session. At lunch, as they were discussing whether negating the value of the body was a way for firms to control the workers, Jack had a mental image of Estella Rowan and seriously wondered for the first time what was happening to her body. Her mind was gone, but her body had to be somewhere, even if she was dead. Her body had to be somewhere. Why had no one noticed her? Noticed either her missing body or her body where it didn't belong. How could someone just disappear? Zero, zero, 00110 one, zero. The blackouts continue. They are more frequent now, at least once a day. And when I dream, I dream such things that I cannot believe. And I fear they are not dreams, these images I see in the night. They seem more like memories. But when I wake, I can only remember the sensations, the emotions, not the actions. I can feel them coming on, these moments when I am no longer myself, it feels like a download, but more invasive somehow, like sex without the pleasure. I fight them, the blackouts, but it only makes the pain worse. And when I come back, it is like a hangover magnified, the pain, disorientation, and tension. I don't know how to fight this anymore. I have to end this. But what can I do? What can I do? You've been listening to Beautiful Red by M. Derisha Wayne. Find out more at d-a-r-u-s-h-a dot c-a slash beautiful red or subscribe for free at patiobooks.com The theme music is low-level format by Bjorn Fogelberg. Learn more about Bjorn's music at fogelberg.com and you can buy the album Karushi Porn at magnatune.com. If you have feedback, I'd love to hear it. Leave a comment on the website. Send email to Derusha at Derusha.ca, leave a comment on the podiobooks site, or call the listener line at 206-984-2976. Thanks for listening.